Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective. It's news from the fire hose and the firing squad. This Thursday episode on Right Spokane Perspective. We're going to dig into some of those headlines and uh, we'll, we'll obviously start out with some inspiration. But I want to remind folks that we are a listener supported radio program and to keep us helping keep you informed by having great interviews like we've done this week with authors, syndicated columnists, and also state representatives. So we're planning on having more state representatives on. And of course, during the campaign season, you get to hear from a lot of candidates on the Right Spokane Perspective, but we've got to stay on the air to do that. So if you could send us your most generous donation to Right Spokane Perspective LLC. That's where you write the checkout to. If you can send it to PO Box 7620-99207. Again, that's PO Box 7620-99207. So we got lots of news to cover, but inspiration first. Inspiration first. We are drawn near. In the wake of the coronavirus, retrieving something from my safety deposit box required even more layers of protocol than before. Now I had to make an appointment, call when I arrived to be granted entrance to the bank, show my identification and signature, and then wait to be escorted into the vault by a designated banker. Unless I followed the instructions, I wasn't able to enter. In the Old Testament, God had specific protocols for entering part of the tabernacle called the Most Holy Place. Behind a special curtain, one that separated the holy place from the most holy place, only the high priest could enter, enter once a year. Aaron and the high priests who would come after him were to bring offerings, bathe, and wear sacred garments before entering. God's instructions weren't for health or security reasons. They were meant to teach the Israelites about the holiness of God and our need for forgiveness. At the moment of Jesus' death, that special curtain was torn, symbolically showing that all people who believe in his sacrifice for their forgiveness of sin can enter God's presence. The tear in the tabernacle curtain is reason for our unending joy. Jesus has enabled us to draw near to God always. Heavenly Father, we thank you for making it possible for us to draw near to you always. In Jesus' name, amen. It's days like today that we need to have that inspiration and draw near to God because there's going to be some hard topics that we cover today. I want to make sure that we're all staying informed. That's why we do the show. And I want to bring to everyone's attention that in the Exchange newspaper, and this was actually just recently brought to my attention, the Exchange newspaper, you will find a section that talks about the Spokane Valley City Council. And we, we usually do periodically we will get a member of the Spokane Valley City Council to come in and talk about the Spokane Valley. We're also working to get representatives from other municipal governments. We're going to have a guest from the Liberty Lake City Council coming on soon. So we're going to be trying to look at regional topics. In the last edition of the Exchange newspaper, there was the Spokane Valley City Council's recent updates. And in their updates, there's some big things in there, folks. And so if you do, the exchange newspaper, you can grab it normally at your local gas stations, hardware stores, things like that for free may have those. And it's a free newspaper. And in this edition, it was actually back from the February 21st meeting. They kind of highlighted some of the issues that 
the council was looking at, and they were looking at upwards of $120 million or so spending on different projects. They're looking at the Sullivan Trent Interchange, South Barker Corridor, Argon I-90 Bridge, major infrastructure projects. And I know that infrastructure wasn't our main discussion for today because we're talking about news from a fire hose. So we're talking about a lot of different news with infrastructure. So the county, the state, and the federal government's looking at uh, solving those interchange problems there at Sullivan, Barker, and Argon. And there's a lot of spending involved, but the Spokane Valley City Council also covered the possibility of a regional coalition to address homelessness. Again, folks, that's your exchange that puts that out. Of course, that's just the meeting notes if you want to stay uh, more adept on Spokane Valley City Council actions, you can go to their to their meetings or you can go to spokanevalley.org to get their current agenda information if you live in the valley and those issues touch your life, your business, your property rights. Always stay engaged with what your local government's doing because we can't solve what President Biden is doing. But a lot of times it does have a local effect. And so the crime rate in Washington is out of control. And a lot of it has to do with policies that are similar to what the president has been pushing for. And of course, the open borders thing is a huge issue. And on that, I wanted to talk about a story that came out of the Washington Post Former top Mexican official convicted of taking millions in bribes from the cartel. So it's interesting that this former top Mexican official convicted of taking millions in bribes from the cartel, he was also the head person that was supposed to be working with the FBI in Mexico to stop drug trafficking. It's shocking how much corruption in government there is, not just in our government, but obviously the Mexican government, these drug cartels are buying off officials in different governments so that they can poison our communities with their drugs. And of course, we're funding these drug cartels through subsidies and grants called welfare because we know that the drug addicts are getting the money from somewhere. The crime rate, theft, property crime, stolen cars, all those things that are on the rise in our country is a direct result of government corruption like this top Mexican official that was convicted of taking millions in bribes from cartel members. He even did drug deals for the cartels. And he also got paid to do it from our tax dollars. Well, we do give foreign aid to Mexico to aid some of their officials in helping us do things that are good for our national security and defense. And of course, stopping the drug cartels from taking over communities and spreading poison that's killing to the tune of over 100,000 people last year. This is an important issue. Now, it's good that they went ahead and found out that this guy was basically working for the drug cartels. And now he's been convicted. He's going to spend some time in prison. But how are we going to stop this in the future? I mean, he was working. Garcia Luna was a point of contact for officials in the U.S. who dealt with Mexico in efforts to thwart narcotics trafficking. He ran the Federal Investigation Agency from 2001 to 2005 and was the country's Secretary of Public Security from 2006 to 2012. So folks, how do we just let these things go? The United States shouldn't just be nailing this official. There had to be other people that knew. Is there going to be some kind of sanctioning of Mexican government officials? Is there going to be 
some kind of penalty that they have to pay because we send a lot of money down there to try to help police this issue and it just keeps getting worse. Well, and you know, it wasn't just one because where there is sleight of hand in the money category. Well, of of course, there's got to be more accessories to what's going on because he didn't just do all this on his own. Well, and how many people, how many fentanyl overdoses, how many drug overdoses could he have aided in? Well, there's a lot of people that believe that the criminal activity going on in the United States because of drug trafficking or international crime rings, human trafficking, the deaths that occur, the people involved, the accessories to those crimes should be charged with murder and sentenced to death because they've killed so many people. Over 100,000 people died last year from drug overdoses. So here's another story. 20 pounds of meth sailed from Bellingham to Alaska rolled in burritos. I mean, it's it's shocking. Rolled in burritos. Rolled in burritos. Obviously, I I like burritos. I don't like burritos that are made of meth, but apparently they thought that the 20 pounds of meth were going to make it all the way from Bellingham to Alaska. But where did the meth originate? Here's the story. Ketchikan, Alaska police in southeast Alaska arrested three people and confiscated more than one million in methamphetamine and the deadly opioid fentanyl, according to court documents and an Alaskan radio station. The main reporter is Alaskan radio. I don't think you should probably uh, take drugs up to Alaska because maybe they don't have the liberal rules like we have in Washington that we're going to get Go ahead and have possession. We're not going to pursue you unless it's a certain kind of crime. And we've handcuffed our our police. Apparently, they haven't done that in Ketchikan because they still know how to catch a criminal. So a duffel bag with burritos. They're not even being very inventive at this point in time. Apparently, an Oregon man boarded the Columbia in Bellingham and was arrested in Ketchikan where a police officer and detective stayed with the bag until the ferry docked in Juneau, Alaska. So drug trafficking, it just comes in, it goes out, they're running a regular business, and sometimes they get caught. But often, it's not often enough. But it sounds like in Idaho, actually, it looks like we're getting short on time, but it sounds like in Idaho, they're going to be putting something into place that may reduce crime in Idaho, might reduce some Washington crime that goes into Idaho, but we'll have to talk about that after we take a quick break a lot of your beef comes from brazil africa and <clears throat> china bet you didn't know that the spokane county cattlemen know that and they are the ones advocating for country of origin labeling on the meat that we buy and feed to our families find them on facebook right now that burger you just got at your favorite drive through has over a thousand different dnas in it well you may want to consider buying from local producers and in other words folks buy locally the spokane county cattlemen are on facebook and are there to Advocate for you, educate and inform you on what's happening in the global and local meat industry. With today's corona-controlled society, the shopping restrictions and possible rationing, making sure that your family doesn't experience food insecurities should be our top priority. You can do your part, be secure, buy from local growers and producers. The Spokane County cattlemen know this and are here to help you. Find them on Facebook right now. To our Spokane area veterans and their families, if you haven't checked out the Hilliard Veterans of Foreign Wars post-14 located at Diamond and Regal Street in Spokane. You gotta be there or be square. The Hilliard VFW is there to assist you and yours with all your VA questions. Give them a call at 487- 
888-357-3784. Weekly bingo, cards, bowling, dart tournaments, and meal specials are just a few more things that the Hilliard VFW offers. Stop on by, give them a call, 487-3784. We want to thank God and you, the listeners, for the opportunity to continue the Right Spokane Perspective Radio Show and podcast programming. We sincerely thank Mike Fagan for 12 years of dedication to our listeners and guests of the Right Spokane Perspective. Listeners, it's because of your support we continue to bring you facts, commentary, and alerts on what's happening in local government, politics, and issues affecting us all. Please send your most generous support to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620, Spokane, WA 99207. Thanks again, and back to the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective. News from a fire hose and a firing squad this Thursday episode. I, I'm just confounded that we see all this criminal activity, Shannon, we talked about going off into the break. And of course, there's some busts, and this is great. They're busting them. But why can't we get this under control? Why is it so out of control? It's like there's no penalty for crime. I don't and know we why. just let the criminals out. We talked about this with uh, Sulani, Sulani Madsen. We talked about this with the, with other state representatives earlier in the year, actually in late last year, that it's this crime wave that seems to have overcome our country. It's obviously policy. Crime pays, we're letting it pay, and only a small number are getting busted. When we know, like when we talked to the uh, former sheriff on this show, that most of the crimes are committed by a very small percentage of people everywhere. And, and specifically in our city, they they think that it's about 50 to 100 people that commit most of the crime. And it's really sad. So according to the CDC, they're estimating that over 104,000 people just in the U.S., this isn't specific to Washington at this point, but in the U.S., 104,000 people died from drug overdoses in a 12-month period. I am reading from DEA.gov. Those numbers ended on September 30th, 2021. So 65% of those overdoses involved opioids and fentanyl. And, and that was the September 2021 ending year? Yeah. So that's when they compiled all the data from the different counties, the different states. And Correct. When I was looking at the numbers, it looked to me like Spokane County was approaching the fentanyl and opioid death rate of COVID. And the COVID death rate was mostly people in sensitive groups, the very elderly, unhealthy. You know, it's unfortunate, but those folks passed. But the opioid deaths are people in their, supposed to be in their most productive years, teenagers to 45 years old. So let's talk about Washington state in particular. It says, like most states across the country, the state of Washington has not been immune to the alarming increase in the availability of counterfeit fentanyl pills. So now it's not just the fentanyl. Now it's not just meth. Now it's not just heroin. Now we're doing counterfeit fentanyl. Yeah, a lot of folks are thinking that they're getting a different drug that they're addicted to, where it's an Oxycontin, an uh, Oxycodone, those Correct. kinds of things, and it's laced with fentanyl right. because it gives them that extra high and fentanyl is cheap and readily available coming across the southern border coming from china through the southern border mostly and it's not being stopped and so it's so readily available that instead of having those higher grade pharmaceutical drugs pressed into pills they're pressing 
a mixture of maybe some of those drugs or fentanyl in the place. And so the people are getting high, but they're also risking death because these are not drugs that are put together in a laboratory. So very, very deadly. But it sounds like in Idaho, if you're a drug dealer that goes out and uh, causes crime and shootings and gang violence, which we've got some stories about that as well today, uh, you might not have to wait 30 to 40 years to have the death penalty. You might not sit in prison until you die. You might go before a firing squad. You might. According to the Epic Times, Idaho Bill would bring back execution by firing squad. Idaho could bring back firing squads as a method of execution under legislation introduced by a panel of lawmakers on Wednesday. The state eliminated its never-used firing squad option in 2009, but it has been unable to secure the drugs needed for lethal injection executions. Only Mississippi, Utah, Oklahoma, and South Carolina currently have laws allowing firing squads if other execution methods are unavailable. Well, that's interesting. So that came from uh, Epic Times, U.S. News, and... And the Associated Press. And the Associated Press. So th- this is an uh, interesting thing to, to come about because this is a topic that has been hotly debated, the death penalty. Of course, in Washington State, we don't have the death penalty, which is why murder rates have soared. There was a study, I believe it was out of the Harvard University a few years back, that looked at deterrent for crime. And they saw that, and the research went beyond just the United States, and they looked at the death penalty as a deterrent for crime. The problem with the death penalty now, though, is that in that article, it talked about an individual that actually sat in prison for 20 to 30 years on death row. And so go ahead and in hit 1985. That part. So uh, Pizzuto is his last name, had spent more than three decades on death row for his role in the 1985 slayings of two gold prospectors. So this sounds like we got somebody sitting in prison from before the Industrial Revolution or something because gold prospectors in Idaho were killed and robbed uh, by an individual and it was brutal murders. They were going to put the guy in death row. This is back in 1984? 1985. 1985. So unfortunately, that's kind of how the death rows worked in Washington in recent decades. Of course, when someone is convicted of a crime, if the crimes are heinous, obviously they need to have the criminal justice system go through the process. There needs to be evidence. There needs to be jury. There needs to be without a, a, without a shadow of a doubt that this individual. Now we have DNA testing. We have all these things. Of course, that's the argument people are using is saying, well, we're convicting people of, of heinous crimes that weren't guilty. And later on, we find that they're innocent. Okay, that can happen. Maybe that's probably a lot more rare than it used to be, like in 1985. But at some point, we have to figure out a deterrent from crime. Now, we're going from, you know, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about it on the show just this last week, an individual stabbed someone in the chest three times, hospitalized them, stabbed them in the chest three times. They're going to jail for three months. Three months. That's here in Spokane. Well, and we've had even more. So 18-year-old suspected gang member is accused of shooting a young man multiple times. Okay, well, hold on, hold on before you go there, because now we got to separate the Idaho thing with that one criminal who was just robbing someone. It wasn't, as far as we know, it wasn't tied to gang activity or drug use. He killed them. 
He killed him. He killed gold him. prospectors. Yes. There's more to the story, but it's such an old story. They're not going into the details, but that was not a drug induced rage where they're killing people or gang activity tied to drug cartels. A lot of the stuff that we're seeing, a lot of the crime was tied to just like the, the shooting at Liberty Park that happened a few weeks ago. That was tied to a drug deal that was supposed to bring in $600, a drug deal gone bad for, I believe it was cannabis oil. And so it's not just meth and opioids, obviously, but criminal elements, drug use, drug dealing, drug trafficking. So now let's... Hold on. Before we leave Idaho, though, that was exactly what they found in the past of Ryan Kohlberger in the slayings... Oh, Kohlberg? Oh, you're talking about the North North Idaho college killings? Yes. Yes. And that that was huge in the news. And and a lot of folks didn't understand it. He was in college pursuing uh, criminal justice... Criminal uh, justice and law enforcement. Law enforcement... But his past was marked with a marijuana habit, which graduated into heroin addiction. Yeah, and the picture of him, you could tell by the rings, the black around his eyes, that there was something not quite right there. So there was obviously some drug use, some mental health issues that that were going on untreated. But there again, with those drugs... It changes people's minds. It, it rewires their brain and they become criminal. Well, and of course, if it's an enterprise, like with the drug cartels and the gangs, which we see more and more, the Sinaloa drug cartels taking over. And by the way, that earlier article from the former top Mexican official convicted of taking millions in bribes from cartel, the cartel was the Sinaloa drug cartel. So now you've got another piece here in Spokane that's violent crime. Most often these individuals have criminal records that are long rap sheet. They probably shouldn't be out on the street anyway. Probably not. So the the 18-year-old accused in two shootings, including one man that was shot several times in Spokane in a drive-by shooting in Spokane Valley earlier this month. Malachi Swan McCarthy was arrested Thursday and charged with suspicion of attempted murder and other felony charges, according to the Spokane Regional Safe Streets Task Force news release. On February 11th, Spokane police responded to a shooting call at the 1300 block of East Kiernan and found a man who had been shot multiple times. The man was taken to the hospital and later released. Several people witnessed the shooting and captured it on video. Swan McCarthy was identified as the suspect. The teen is also believed to have pointed a gun at the head of a female and threatened to kill her. Most of the people detained were minors known to the task force to be associated with gangs and criminal activities. Yeah, gangs and criminal activities and gangs. How do gangs fund their activities? Drugs. Well, and they've they fence stolen goods, break into cars, steal cars. Yeah, that Car would be the next ring. the next one. Authorities charge man for alleged mead crime spree attempted carjacking downtown. 29-year-old man faces several felony and misdemeanor charges after assaulting an elderly woman, stealing a truck, and ramming a vehicle in mead, according to the Spokane Sheriff's Office. The day after the crime spree, Spokane police arrested Robert Kelly for an attempted carjacking in downtown Spokane. Now, is there anything further in the article about past criminal behavior? Thing, a lot of the the news coverage on the crime that's occurring is we see, like in the previous article, that those teenagers that are not yet adults were known to the gang task force to be known. Yeah. When you see continual behavior, kind of like when politicians lie, you don't trust them anymore. 
when criminals continue their criminal activity, you don't let them out anymore? Actually, it was a spree. February 13th, video from inside a business uh, in the 10,700 block of North Market Street showed Kelly pushing an office employee in her early 70s to the ground. He is a four-time convicted felon. He stood over the woman demanding the keys to her vehicle while repeatedly punching her in the head and in the face. After the assault, deputies said Kelly apologized, stole a bag of potato chips, and fled. The woman, who had serious injuries that weren't life-threatening, was taken to the hospital. Deputies saw a vehicle next to the business with a broken window and punched ignition, indicating an unsuccessful theft attempt. Now, okay, non-life-threatening injuries, but life-altering in injuries. Life-altering. 70 years old and you're getting thrown to the ground and beaten in the head. Punched in the head. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and four, uh, four times this guy's been convicted of felony charges. Yes. Like I said earlier, the former sheriff was right. A lot of the criminal activity that's happening in our city, in our county, is the same group of people. They're already known to law enforcement. We should be asking our lawmakers right now. We, we talked a, a little bit about lawmakers and what they're doing earlier in the week, but we're going to have more lawmakers on the show. We're going to have more legislators on the show during the in the month because this is going to be a huge topic moving forward. So COVID drowned out reality for a little while. And when reality was drowned out, chaos ensued. Crime rates went up, murder rates went up, theft went up in, in cities all across America, but particularly in Spokane. And I think that the cry to Olympia while the legislature is in session says that citizens shouldn't have to run their own law enforcement crews in their neighborhoods. That's why we fund law enforcement. It's to the point where if officers go out and do their duty, they're, they're handcuffed. Their job is already difficult. They can't chase someone. There's all these restrictions on can they make an arrest? How can they pursue them? They have to get authorization from supervisor. They get to open drug use. They see drug deals happen and it's not worth the paperwork anymore because they know the same person is going to be on the same corner by next weekend. And that's actually what we see with the remainder of this article. The remainder of this article, basically to sum it up, he ended up taking a truck, drove into oncoming lanes at a high rate of speed. The deputy did not pursue because of the state's vehicle pursuit law. I'm just going to point that out. Oh, and so I think I end, actually, when I was looking at the article on my end, I was like highlighting that section because we have that pursuit law in Washington state that the law enforcement can't pursue when this guy's driving into oncoming traffic. He just beat up a 70 year old lady. No, you shouldn't pursue them. It's called a pit maneuver. You run your squad car into the guy's car. You point a gun at him, tell him to freeze and cease and desist his behavior because he's putting the community at risk. He's threatening the lives of law-abiding citizens and our law enforcement can't do that. So what do they do? They got to wait around. They got to do investigations that take days and weeks so they can't investigate other crimes because now they have to try to figure out how to criminally investigate and pursue this person by other means so this person could go out and commit multiple more crimes before they're even caught for this crime. And what's even worse is they get caught for this crime they get booked into jail oftentimes maybe not in this case but oftentimes they get released and before they go to court for the 
70th time they've been arrested, they've already committed more crimes. More crimes, which amounted to, he was subsequently charged with suspicion of first-degree robbery, two counts of second-degree assault, two counts of theft of a motor vehicle, attempting to elude police, hit and run with injury, first-degree malicious mischief, two counts of third-degree theft, and third-degree malicious mischief. He remained in jail on Saturday in lieu of a $550,000 bond. So at least he had a decent bond. But we have leftists right now that want to get rid of bonds. They want to eliminate, and I think they did it in New York City. I forget where they did it. But they're working on it in, I think, Seattle. We've heard about that issue here. They want to get rid of the bonds because that's been a mechanism to hold people in jail and then also have teeth behind their release for them to come back to court so they can go through the criminal justice system. Obviously, all those crimes, they have them on camera. They know it was him. It was obvious it was him, but they still have to pursue it as if he's innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. We don't want to get rid of that legal system. We don't want the law enforcement apparatus or bad actors to destroy people's lives if they are innocent people in our community. But in so many cases, innocent people in our community, like in that case, had a head injury and their car crashed and they did nothing to this guy. There was no reason for them to that life interrupting situation. The and lady. they weren't the only one. I mean, he stole two cars. There was a hit and run incident with injuries. That person's life is going to be forever changed. Right. So is this guy, guy going to get like nine months in jail and then back out he goes? You know, this is how this is going. And we see that continually. So folks, I'm telling you, I, we're going to keep reporting this stuff, but we're also going to keep letting people know these are the things we talk to legislators about. These are the things we want our legislature to fix. And we'll be starting out the show tomorrow with something that the legislature is doing that we might not want them to fix. And I think it's going to, you've got to listen to tomorrow's show because when I bring this to your attention, what the legislature is doing yet again, while ignoring the other issues that we've discussed today, I think it's almost criminal. That being said, we're out of time for today's show. I think we've got to go. What do you think? I think so. Yeah, I'm a little bit fired up. We should probably just leave the show at that because tomorrow we're going to be talking about Susiosaurus. And what your legislature really should be doing. Bye-bye.